Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, March 11th, 2016. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter more about alcoholism, and we will be reading on page 43, starting with the second paragraph today. Today, Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Janice M., the 12 Traditions, Christine M., and our text readers are Blossom S., Rachel N. M., Judy S., and our newcomer greeter today is Kathleen W. The reference number for yesterday, Thursday, March 10th, 2016, is 8525, 8525. Oh, a preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Janice M. to read the 12 steps for us. And thank you, and good morning, Monica and everyone. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. These are the OA 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the, re, as the result of these steps, 
we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Janice M. I will now ask Christine M. to read the 12 traditions for us. Yes, good morning, everyone. This is Christine M., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Missouri. 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for the opportunity to do service. I pass. Thank you, Christine M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share... Press star 1 to unmute, and once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book, and we are in the chapter more about alcoholism, And we will be beginning with the second paragraph on page 43, Many Doctors and Psychiatrists. And I will ask Blossom S. to read for us, please. Blossom, star one to unmute. We can't hear you. Sorry. Hi. There you are. Recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. Um, Many doctors and psychiatrists agree with our conclusion. 
One of these men, staff member of a world-renowned hospital, recently made this statement to some of us. What do you what you say about the general hopelessness of the average alcoholic's plight is, in my opinion, correct. As to the two of you men whose stories I have heard, there's no doubt in my mind that you are 100% hopeless apart from divine help. Had you offered yourself as patients at this hospital, I would not have taken you, if you had been able to avoid it. People like you are too heartbreaking. Though not a religious person, I have a profound respect for the spiritual approach in such cases as yours. For most cases, there is virtually no other solution. So this paragraph just speaks volumes to me um, because for many years, I went to many different doctors who just kept suggesting, you know, just eat eat better, just don't, just cut out this, and just exercise, and um, I had one doctor, of course, who suggested the bariatric surgery, and I was actually going through that procedure, but I, I was just so terrified because I had heard of people dying from this procedure, and I and I just, I couldn't go with, through with it, even though my insurance covered it. I was just too terrified of it, and, and again, the doctors just, you know, they just were of no help to me. Um, until I went to the, um, and I went to many different therapists too, again, who, you know, um, chopped a lot of things up to childhood and this happened and that happened and that's why. And until the therapist that I I currently see, um, when I, in the very first few sessions, I began talking about my um, problems with food and he said, um, I think you may be a compulsive overeater. Well, I thought, well, what is he talking about? What are you? And he told me about OA and I just, I just remember sobbing and crying, and I said, I can't do that. I can't go to a room and be with these people. And he said that it's an amazing program, and it's based on AA. And he told me all about it, and I, I still was sobbing. And he helped me um, call. He dialed the phone, and he said, we're going to find out where the closest meeting is. And I am so grateful and so blessed because I really, truly believe that he saw this right here he has a profound respect for a spiritual approach in such cases and for most cases such as mine there's virtually no other solution there is no other solution and he saw that and i'm so blessed and so thankful for that or else i'd still be lost and i am so grateful um that that happened and uh with that, I can I can live this new life, and I believe that my higher power put him in my life for that to happen. And so, again, I'm so grateful. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, Blossom S. And we're going to I'm going to open it up here for shares. And who would like to share on this paragraph? Nancy R. This is Bella. Can I share? Okay, I got Nancy. I got Bella. There was somebody else. Tina S. Tina, Sally. Sally. Okay, let's go with that. Nancy R, and then Bossa. Bella, and then Tina, and then Sally. No, nah, thank you. Okay. Okay, okay, excuse thank- me. Go ahead, Nancy. I'm sorry. Okay, thank you. And good morning. I'm Nancy R, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater, and uh, I had. Um, I want to thank the previous uh, person that read and for sharing. Uh, I had tried every imaginable thing 
um, that I found before I came to these rooms, and uh, I am convinced that there is nothing out there. A lot of new things have come on the market since I, I found the rooms, since God led me to this way of life, and I'm convinced that nothing else will work for me. Um, sometimes, you know, if uh, crazy thoughts hit my mind, which means that uh, I need to work on my spiritual fitness, but um, I know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm convinced. I, I know without a shadow of a doubt that nothing will work for me. I'm a compulsive overeater, uh, and that means that... Um, I have a threefold disease, and I'm just so grateful. I have no idea how I found a way. I cannot remember. I've tried. I've searched my. Uh, I've just searched my uh, memory, and I cannot remember how I found out about it. But it, I'm just grateful that I did, because it has saved my life. I, I have. I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. And um, I have uh, family members who've seen my transformation. They've asked me. I've shared with them. And they're still trying uh, different things. And, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. It really pains me to see them uh, struggling. But it's an individual journey. And uh, all I have to do is to walk this path. And uh, I'm so grateful I cannot began to express the gratitude I have for this program. It has literally not only saved my life, it has given me a life. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy R. Bella G., you're up, and then it'll be Tina S. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. For most cases, there is virtually no other solution. Yes, and I am that case. For me, for my case, as a compulsive overeater, there is no other solution. Yes, before the program, before living in the 12 steps, I had the belief that I have the power and I will show everybody that I can lose weight and I can stay in that new weight. But that belief wasn't true. It didn't work out for me. And I lost weight so many times, but I always gained them back and even doubled them. Today, thank you, God, I found a solution, a wonderful solution that is working for me. Yes, today I changed my belief. Today my belief is that, yes, I am human and I am powerless. I am powerless. I have only one power, the power to choose one day at a time. And today I choose to be connected to a loving, accepting, respecting power. And today, because I am connected to a higher power that loves me and trusts me, yes, I know my, my disease as a compulsive overeater, it's allergy in the body, it's obsession in the mind, and it's blockage in my spiritual and yes today my power to choose to be connected to a higher power that protects me and yes I have to work on myself to accept myself as a human 
and never perfect. And this is my solution to, to, to live the 12th step one day at a time. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Tina S., you're up, and then it'll be Sally A. Thanks, Monica. Um, Tina S., Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. You know, I just wanted to thank the reader of this and, and the sharing, and i just so relating when she shared. I just got chills from, you know, the divine help that she has received. And, you know, it talks about, you know, many doctors and psychiatrists agree with our conclusions. You know, and um, you know, and those are answers based on facts and evidence. And it was described so well by Fred's story. You know, 100% hopeless, apart from divine help. You know, and that for me is step one. You know, powerlessness and unmanageability, lack of power. You know, and they always tell me that that's the only step I have to take at 100%. And and you know, and then the divine help, which is step two. You know, coming to believe in a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. And, you know, and it also talks about in the big book, there'll come a time when I won't have a mental defense. All the smartness I think I've got, all the intelligence I think that I'm about, you know, uh, I won't have that mental defense. And it must come from a power greater than myself. You know, and it, and it says most cases, you know, I like that, you know, most cases, um, there's, no, there's virtually no other solution. You know, I was among one of the most cases. You know, I was in that category, and the only answer that has worked for me so far, because I, like, it's already been shared, have tried many, many other ways. The only answer that has worked for me thus far is in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 Steps through Overeaters Anonymous and AA, and, and, and that is just, I'm so completely grateful, and, and I also like it was talked about, and I don't really have a life beyond my wildest dreams, it only um, saved my life, it gave me a life, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Sally A., you're up, and then it'll be Vasa all. Good morning. Good morning, Monica, and good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. So many doctors and psychiatrists aren't psychiatrists doctors. I mean, last time I checked, they were. I find that so interesting that they begin this paragraph with many doctors and psychiatrists. And I believe what they're harping on here is the body and the mind. Again, again and again, they're letting us know that this disease is in our body and in our mind. So that's why I believe they're telling me many doctors and psychiatrists is teaching me again, one more time, it's about your body and it's about your mind, the mental aspect. Many doctors and psychiatrists agree with our conclusions. And so they're going to give us their conclusions. One of these men, staff members of a world-renowned hospital, recently made this statement to some of us, what you say about the general hopelessness of the average alcoholic's plight is, in my opinion, correct. So here we have the word hopelessness of the average alcoholic's plight is, in my opinion, correct. You're right. They're hopeless. As to two of your men whose stories I have heard, there's no doubt in my mind that you are that you were 100%. That's that's pretty harsh. 100%. He had no doubt in his mind that these two guys were 100% hopeless apart from divine help. Here again, they're giving us this this level of desperation. And for me, when I read these words, I remember 
where I was when I finally, I mean, I came to OA, and I knew I was in trouble. I knew something was very wrong with me, but it took me a long time to put a lot of pieces of the puzzle on the table. And still, that missing piece of puzzle that I couldn't understand, what is wrong? Why am I not getting, what am I not getting here? How are these people getting it, but I'm not getting it? I sat next to Don C. in New York. I lived there. I lived in Westchester County, New York for 43 years. I went to the same meetings. Why did I not hear what he heard? And I want to tell you what I did not hear. And why I did not hear is very important. I wasn't listening. I was so busy formulating my next answer. I was so busy rubbing the star on my shoulder. I've been in OA for 27 years. I've been in OA for 28 years. I've been in OA for 29 years. Who cares? I was still sick. And that's what I have to say to you today. You're not going to be 100% hopeless if you just listen so you can learn, so you can change, so you can become transformed. I know my time is up. One more second. So you can become recovered. Thanks for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sally A. Vasa O., you're up. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Monica, for your service. And I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive Vita calling from Florida. And yes, I was 100% hopeless and and desperate before I came to Overeaters Anonymous. And um, I never went to a psychiatrist, but I did go to doctors when I had my physicals, and I was always concerned about the weight. And the doctor would say, well, you know, yeah, you got to do something about it. I did everything I could in my power, but I did it in my own, it, but with my own will and my own power. The doctors will say, well, you know, you've got to measure, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. But I always kept on going back. I did not understand that I had a disease. I did not understand I had an allergy, the mental obsession. I had no clue. I was exhausted, you know, by the time I came to Overeaters Anonymous. And I, you know, somebody gave me hope, you know. They said, try it. You've got nothing to lose. But at that time, I wanted to lose the weight. Yes, I did want it to lose the weight, and I was, you know, I said, yeah, I'm going to try it. And she said, it doesn't even cost any money. I did not have much money in those days anyways, you know. Whatever I did, I didn't, do, I didn't spend a lot of money, even for food. I cooked my own food at home, you know. I didn't go to restaurants. I didn't go to these fast food places. I created my own cooking at home, my own baking, but anyways, I um, I was ready to listen. I didn't want to die. So, again, for me, just to be sitting there for about an hour and a half and just to listen. I was a busy woman. You know, my life was always busy running and doing, but always struggling with the food. So I just listened, and I just listened. And, you know, I found hope in the programs. And again, as I said, I came for the vanity. I stayed for the sanity. You know, um, you know, I've said it many times. One of the promises that I received from God once I surrendered to the program, and you know, when I humbled myself, I surrendered to God to please help me. One of you know the first promise was to lose the weight, and I did. Within six months, it was a miracle. God was doing to me that I couldn't do for myself. For 25 years of my life, I mean, that was a miracle. How could this work? Well, it worked. 
I just followed the directions the way they laid out here. And, of course, you know, the food went down, but then I needed to work on the mental obsession and the spiritual part. It was, I did it, you know, started working all together, you know, with everything. I, it was like my bottom. That was my bottom. Starting new life, you know, new beginning. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. All right, we're going to take a few more shares on this paragraph if somebody wants, and then we're going to move on. Melissa T. Julia Michelle O. Hold on, hold on. (laughs) I'm way back. Melissa, Julie, Nessa R. Okay, I'm going with Melissa, Julie, Nessa R., and Reva P. Melissa, you're up. Hi, good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa Stay Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, you know, when I read this this morning, I was thinking about, the, you know, the, that renowned hospital, the world-renowned hospital, and the staff members saying that, you know, had you shown up here, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to take your case because you're too heart, you know, you're too, too heartbreaking. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and it just sort of made me reflect on... Um, Every diet I tried and every, um, you know, weight loss coach and, and weight loss leader and gym, you know, a life coach or whatever it was and how, um, you know, often when they first met me, um, I was full of enthusiasm and promise and commitment and, and so I didn't get that initial response. But, you know, and I was good at starting. I was really good at starting. I just could never stay, you know, stop. And um, and and so within a short amount of time, um, my enthusiasm fell apart because I couldn't, I couldn't do it. You know, I'm, I'm a hopeless case. And my solution wasn't found in a diet or a life coach or a gym coach or a new regimen. And so my enthusiasm fell apart. My my list of excuses and reasons and embarrassment grew and you know and so get the response that I began to get from those people was similar to this. They didn't want to deal with me anymore. I was I was too heartbreaking. I wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna work for me. you know, and um and it makes me you know, it, it's painful, you know, and of course, um, I think some of those people were on my list of resentments, you know, and thank God that's, you know, I don't resent those people anymore because I was powerless to this, they were powerless to this. You know, the only solution has been God has been a power leader, and um, and so then, you know, the same, the same thing applies when people ask me for help. Um, I am not higher power. I'm not God. I, I simply can share what's worked for me, this beautiful program of recovery. And um, and so the same way that, um, you know, when people are struggling, I have to have more love, patience, tolerance, understanding, um, more, you know, just more of that sentiment. And because I know when they call me again, they're embarrassed and they're in pain. And, um, and we have a very, you know, important charge being recovered that we have to lovingly be there for people whenever they're ready. That's how I feel. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Julie R., you are up, and then it'll be Nessa R. 
Hi, thank you, Monica. This is Julia R. Recovered, compulsive overeater in California. And the few things that I have highlighted under this paragraph, of course, is the hopelessness because he's trying to drive that point. And when I think about hopelessness, what does that mean? Where that I am beaten, I am down. There's there's no way that I'm going to escape the hell. And that's exactly where I lived for so many years. You know, of course, the weight gain. I mean, that, but that's not, you don't have to be severely, morbidly obese to be hopeless. It's because of the disease, obviously, is in our, our mind and in in the cravings, et cetera. And, and it, it's just, my, my thing here is the hopelessness. I was beyond hope. I never thought I was ever going to get out of this. I was never going to be able to um, not pass something and grab it and then turn into an animal, that I was never going to be under 300 pounds, or I would never not be able to gain my weight back. But then on the flip side of this, it talks about the spiritual approach. And, you know, not a religious person, you know, two totally different things, because I am not religious. But it says that the spiritual approach, for most cases, there is virtually no other solution. So here I am, I'm hopeless, I can't stop eating, I can't stop hating myself, I can't stop living in my character defects, but yet there is a solution. And I get to live every day free, free from the obsession, free from wanting, I don't have food thoughts. I'm able to do things that I never thought I could do. I, you know, partake in parties. I make desserts. But I have no desire to eat them. And it's because of the spiritual approach that I took by following the big book and taking the steps exactly like they're laid out. So, yeah, you could come from from hell and be rocketed into that fourth dimension. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Julie R. Nessa R., you're up, and then it'll be Reva P. Hi, good morning. This is Nessa R., recovered in um, Toronto, Canada. So we're uh, nearing the end of this chapter, which is devoted entirely to um, illustrating, describing, and explaining the insanity that precedes the first drink, the peculiar mental twist, the mental obsession, the blank mental spot, you know, whatever you call it, all these are terms that are used in this chapter, because step two says, I uh, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity, and so I need to know what I'm being restored from, and the from is the insanity. Um, you know, this is why um, we, are, um, we are hopeless. You know, what you say about the general hopelessness of the average alcoholic's life is, in my opinion, correct. And the hopelessness comes from that mental obsession. You know, it's insane, you know, to believe that it's okay for me to eat, you know, sugar and flour and these fried things when my own experience shows me that whenever I touch those food, it invariably leads to a, to a disaster. You know, it doesn't, my insanity doesn't enable me to, you know, to connect the dots, to connect the cause and the consequence. You know, my best thinking never, never helped me with that. You know, so why would it start now? My self-knowledge never helped me with that. My general knowledge, my intelligence, nothing ever helped me um, realize that, no, it is not okay for me to eat those things. It never ends well. Um, 
what else do you call that? It's not insanity. And that is the reason why I am a doom. And that is the reason why I need a power greater than myself to restore me to sanity, a power to whom I can only get access if I become unblocked. And the only, um, the only action, path of action that has ever helped me become unblocked from God has been these 12 steps, uh, which I have worked after putting down the food to remove the blockages, and I continue to work in order to ensure that the blockages don't come back so I don't have to go back to this insanity that makes me eat even when I don't want to. And by the grace of God, I don't want to eat like that anymore. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Reva P., you're up, and then we're going to move on to the next paragraph. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, also in Toronto. Um, This paragraph for me brings a huge remember when um, because I'm struck with the humility of this doctor who's in a well-known hospital and has lots of experience in the area of alcoholism and yet is able to have the humility to say, I can't help you. I don't know. And there's a program that I've observed and that's the only thing that will work. That is just huge humility, especially for a medical person. Um, And it reminds me that when I ended up in the hospital at my bottom, I had a new young doctor um, taking care of me, and he recommended two things. One was a medical program, um, and the other was OA. And um, just such gratitude that somebody, you know, had the humility to say, we might not even know the answer in this medical program and, and try this. Um, and that reminds me that when I work with sponsees and when I go about in my work in the outside world or anything I do, um, the best place I can o- sometimes be is in that humble place of I don't know um, and I'm not supposed to know and I shouldn't know because I'm supposed to ask my higher power Um, And I do that by working through my step work. The other part I wanted to share on is the last part that says there is, for somebody like me, no other solution. And I just have to smile at myself because even to this day, I just saw a doctor yesterday, and I still want the quick fix. For me, a quick fix, give me the pill, give me the quick diet, give me the whatever, you know, and I'll go and take it and be done. And that's the easier, softer way. And there is no other solution for me but the spiritual approach, which means doing the work. You know, it it takes work, it takes time, um, but it certainly doesn't take as much time as it did to obsess and uh, be a raging lunatic and then have to clean up all my messes. So it's another reminder, there's no shortcuts. It's the step work and following the process that worked for these hundred and many others, um, and even somebody from the medical profession, which usually has you know the hugest ego, is able to agree. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. And we are going to move on to the last paragraph here in this chapter. And Rachel and M, would you read for us, please? Yes, good morning. This is Rachel N.M. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader and anorexic from Ohio. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times 
has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in a few rare cases neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. Okay, so this is saying, everybody sit up and take notice. If you haven't been paying attention through the whole chapter, I'm going to recap what's very most important here. And um, it, it says, at certain times, there's no defense. And for me as a compulsive overeater, um, this was very true and that no human power could help me. I believe that even though I had, I did not try everything out there. Um, but I know that there's been a change. And I know that in the past, when I was in disease, I could not walk past a freezer without uh, having a debate with myself about what was inside the freezer. I know now that I have Easter candy in my freezer, and my kitchen freezer that's been there since last Easter, and I never think about it unless I open the freezer and think, oh, that's that's sort of in the way I should find some way to use it. Um, this is a change that I could not have, have affected in myself and, and the things that I tried and the people who tried to help me before God helped me um, were not able to change for me. So I'm very thankful for what God has done, and I would like um, to encourage any newcomers um, to to consider their own powerlessness and just open your minds to what we're saying about the difference from the past to after the steps is. That's all I have. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Rachel NM. Please, everybody, please stay muted until it's your turn to talk, okay? All right. Who would like to share on this last paragraph here? Charles Katie, Katie Austin. Katie <laughs> Okay, everybody. <laughs> Let's, I'll tell you the little bit I heard here. I heard Charles. I heard Du. I heard Katie. I heard Leia. Carolyn S.H. Carolyn. Marie okay, let's. Kim G. Kim. Kim G. All right, gotcha, Kim. Okay, let's start with this, all right? Um, Charles, Duell, Katie G, Leah M, Carolyn S. H., and Kim G. So, Charles, you're up, and then it'll be due. Morning, Charles. Good morning, Monica T. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Give me a second. I'm trying to follow the rules. I don't want to step on nobody's voice. Thank you. Um, Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater just for today. And I just want to drill down like an eagle. His defense must come from a higher power. That's one of them, 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 them many musts that's in a big book. Um, it, it's just drilling down that uh, another, another PowerPoint that I must, in order, how, how can my defense come from a higher power? How can I get access to that higher power by working the steps every day? And I think somebody said it, hit it on the nail. Oh, my, my, my sister Sally A., who cares if you've been in AA for 50 years? Who cares? What, what, what's the, page 85 says what we have is a daily reprieve. So, you know, I've been in 12-step in, in programs a long time, but, but my, I haven't been recovered a long time, and I ain't scared to tell you that I started my action is over recently, right? But 
But the stuff we read this week is the moment I made up my mind, anybody can make up their mind to go through this process again. And who cares about the chips? Who cares about all that other stuff? It's how you feel inside and, and how you're getting that access from the higher power one day at a time, right? That's, that's the hit. Who cares about all that other stuff? This, this whole more about alcoholism is, of course, discussing the mental obsession, but what a setup to go into we agnostics. His defense must come from a higher power. That's a, that, if I was a songwriter, that, that's a great hook to hook me up to the solution, which we're going to find out about that's necessary to even get any access. You must, you know, a, a lot of sponsees that, you know, I work with fail because, you know, we're, in a, we're going through a program of action. We find out that they don't have a higher power. You don't have to define it. Just, just trust and believe whatever it is and just make sure it's spiritual and it ain't you or me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Charles. Do L. You're up, and then it'll be Katie G. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Duell, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, yes, um, the defense, I have no defense against the first drink. And, you know, I was thinking yesterday, I was reading um, a medical journal, and I was talking about they found out this part of the brain that causes people to eat and eat and eat uncontrollably. And, um, and they, they identified it um, that if you put in certain foods into your body, that triggers that part of your brain to eat and not be able to stop. So they said, well, if you eliminate those key food ingredients, then you'll be able to stop. And I was thinking I was, as I was reading this, there's no way for someone like me. Because <laughs> I not only have the physical, right, by just eliminating those food substances, I also have a problem with my mind, the mental. You know, so that's not going to work for me. That's not a defense for me to get accurate knowledge of, you know, how the brain works and how the body works and, you know, how the physical works. It's more than that for me. As a compulsive overeater, I have something wrong with my mind. I give in to the lies. I give in to the justifications. I give in to the belief that I could be like a normal person when I'm not, you know. And so my defense has to come from something greater than myself because I'm not able to pull, pull that off. And if I think that I could pull that off, all I have to do is look back at my history, look at the many, many times that I have compulsively ate and said, this time it'll be different. This time I'm going to read a journal. This time I'm going to exercise. This time I'm going to, I'm going to come up with my own ideas of, of what that is or somebody else's ideas of, of how to put down the food and keep it down. Well, you know, all those methods have not worked whatsoever. You know, the only thing that's worked for me is this program. You know, the only thing, and even in this program, I had to go a little further. I had to go and get the steps the way they're outlined in this book. Because if I don't do that, I'm not going to have the power. I'm not going to have the, the strength to stay abstinent, you know, and to be recovered. You know, so I need that spiritual experience. I need 
and not only the steps, but I need that connectedness with that higher power that's going to give me the strength to be able to do that. And so I'm grateful today that, you know, I, I get to know who I am. First, I need to know who I am in order to know where to go. And, and where to go is that I'm not God, I'm not a higher power, and I need something greater than myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Duel. KDG, you're up, and then it'll be Leah M. Well, hello, Monica T. Can you hear me? I sure can. Excellent. Let me start my timer. This is KDG, recovered, not cured for today. Compulsive reader, anorexic, and bulimic. <clears throat> so more about relapse, right? Um, I have no mental defense against my first bite, so I just need God, right? Okay, good. Let's go to church. Let's get God. Like, I have God, whatever. Um, and that's not how I get to God. Like, I'm, I'm, a sick, I'm a sick nut. I'm a hard nut to crack. And for me, like, I had to learn that this is not more about intellectualism. This is not more about people. This is, like, more about my addiction, which is going to bring me down no matter what. And um, the way I get to God is through this process of uncovering, discovering, and discarding self, like death of self, death of Katie G from Boston's needs, wants, and desires to a God. But how do I get there? I mean, I can just tell you about a shift for me, right? So the tools and the steps are very important. They've given me a structure. To live my life but I can tell you the difference now I used to call people before I did the steps and I would want them to fix me like it may not be, I have the food down but I would want them I dump my problems complain and want them to fix me and today the difference is I pause and I and I get on my knees and I go to God and I I, I still talk to people, but I invite the presence of God. And by doing that, I know that I'm not looking for someone else to fix me anymore. You know, that, I mean, I do because I fall short every day, but I'm not, I'm not looking for someone else to fix it. I'm not looking for exercise. I'm not looking, I'm looking for more God. And the way I do that every single day is watching my mind because I have that, like how many diets, how many whatever did I do to fix that? right? And it never works. But I have this mind that it is a jungle gym up there sometimes. Like I, you know, my fiance comes home last night, he's like happy to see me. And my brain is like, what did he do? Where did he go? What is he not telling me? Right. But like, I take a deep breath and I say, okay, you know, I see that. And unless I have that conscious contact with God, what happens is that thought starts to permeate that thought starts to eat away slowly and I get tighter and tighter and tighter in my belly if I do not turn it around ultimately it turns into a resentment I act out of that resentment it started with a fear I act out of that resentment and eating ultimately is a step up from how I think and that is that is you know needing God to intervene each and every day and so my life I have a life today because of these of this program of this 12-step program that is built on the foundation of seeking God with desperation each and every day with entire abstinence working the steps and thank you God all of you and I'm doing it with you guys one more day God bless thank you KDG Leah M you're up and then it'll be Carolyn SH thank you so much Monica well, <laughs> I mean, Chapter 3 certainly hasn't pulled any punches. Um, 
you know, it has made it clear, and, you know, the text makes it clear from the very beginning by giving numerous examples of people just like myself. You know, Bill, for instance, he had knowledge. He was a driven person. He was a motivated person. He uh, was intellectual. You know, he had logic. He had reason. Uh, but it left him flat, you know, on his face in the depths and madness of alcoholism. Then comes Roland, you know, who learns uh, money can't buy God. Uh, then comes Chapter 3, you know, which gives me uh, the story of, of Jim and, and the Jaywalker and Fred's story again, you know, reiterating that I'm going to be unable to stop compulsive overeating on the basis of self-knowledge, and that certainly was my experience. And also this utter, utter inability to leave it alone no matter how great the necessity or the wish, which I had all of those things. You know, I was having medical consequences. There were threats of divorce. I had a mental torture, emotional turmoil, uh, isolation, deep depression, suicidal thinking. I wasn't in a good place. Uh, you know, but still, as an addict, you know, we just try to keep rethinking it. The big book makes it clear that I'm going to be doomed to a compulsive overuse death, or I'm going to have to live on a spiritual basis. And those aren't easy alternatives to face. But you know what, Leah? There's no door number three. There's no door number three. And that had to get beaten into me uh, with the, uh, you know, with the text brought to life, my personal experience in the depths of compulsive overeating, plus someone carrying the message to me who, uh, you know, the problem had been solved, bringing this text to life, and it became crystal clear, not just uh, in the ears of the side of my head, but the ears of my soul, that I was in a place of complete despair, and I could not solve compulsive overeating by myself. So what was going to restore my sanity? According to the big book, it wasn't going to be my inner strength. It wasn't going to be my will. It wasn't going to be any determination I could muster up. It wasn't even going to be another human being. None of those was going to be enough. I could not restore my sanity on my own. I needed the help of a higher power because I was never going to be totally free until I yielded, totally yielded to God. And how did I get to that place? <laughs> Through because I was suffering from a disease which only a spiritual experience was going to conquer. Thank God for this solution that was offered to me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Leah M. Carolyn S.H., you're up. And then if we have time, it'll be Kim G. Thank you. Thanks, Monica. Carolyn S.H., calling from Massachusetts. Um, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. And I have notes written all over this page in the little blank spaces um, and uh, what I've written is there's no mental defense not even one that I can learn like there just isn't one um, I had to kind of I had to concede that I cannot learn the right thoughts to fix my problem there's no thought process that can get me out of my sickness um, and what I wanted to say about this is what strikes me um, is then later, like through the steps, through doing the steps, later we're told that we can use our thinking. Um, on page 57 at the end of We Agnostics, 
Um, even so, has God restored us all to our right minds? Um, and then when we get to step 11, which is way after, you know, the process of inventory and making amends, um, uh, on page 86, um, and, uh, they're talking about um, asking God to direct our thinking and especially asking that it be divorced from um, self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance. For after all, God gave us brains to use. Um, and it's just, it's so striking and just hopeful to me that I, I get to get my brain back, that God, but, but it's only because of grace of God that I can't think my way to mental health, I can't think my way um, out of my disease. I mean, it's only through doing the steps that all whatever's blocking me from higher power is cleared away, and then I have the clarity um, to think in a whole different way. Um, And with that, I pass. Thank you, Carolyn S.H. And Kim G., you're up. Kim G, are you there? Star one to unmute. Hi, sorry, it's Kim. I'm, I'm having a hard time unmuting. Can you hear me now? Sure can. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G from South Jersey. I'm going to look at that word defense. It's letting us know here we have no effective mental defense. So what's going to happen? Our defense must come from a higher power. So as we're wrapping up these step one chapters and about to enter step two and we agnostic, I just wanted to summarize what we've learned. What Have we come to the conclusion we need to in step one? So in the doctor's opinion, we learn about our disease. We learn we have this twofold illness, allergy to the body, obsession of the mind. And we are told that with the allergy, the only suggestion they have to make is entire abstinence. And then with this mental part of our disease, the only suggestion they have is an entire psychic change. So then we go into Bill's story and we get to see what does that disease look like in a human being, that progression from fun and excitement to necessity and to oblivion. Do we identify in with that progression? And then in the chapter there is a solution. We learn about who we're not. Are we the moderate eater who can take it or leave it alone? And if so, we don't need to work this program. Are we the heavy eater? that given sufficient reason, we can stop or moderate. If that is true for us, then we don't need these 12 steps. But if we are the real compulsive overeater, what we learn more about alcoholism is if we have the twofold nature of the illness, then the, the physical solution of abstinence is not going to be enough. Because in this chapter, what we've learned is four stories, not about people who are drunk and can't get sober, but people that are sober and make the insane decision to pick up. So that when wrapping up step one, we have to ask ourselves, if we cannot eat safely, that means we have the allergy of the body. And if we cannot be abstinent contently, that means we have the mental obsession. If that is true for us, then the conclusion of step one is I am powerless. And if I am powerless, the default answer to that is I need a power. And step two is not a belief in God. If I could simply in step two believe in God, then I wouldn't need steps three through 10 or three through 12. What step two is in the next chapter is going to teach us is the conclusion, do we need a power? 
And if we are thoroughly convinced in step one that we are powerless, that's going to propel us to go to step two, which is that we need a power. So we have to accept that we have no mental defense against this first that first drink. And if that is true, our defense must come from a higher power. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And we have come to the end of our time so quickly once again here this morning. I want to thank everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Judy S., would you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Good morning. Thank you, everybody. My name is Judy S. from upstate New York, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with them is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.